What's up, guys? Welcome into Four Checking TV. How you guys doing tonight? This is episode number five of our first season here. As always, I'm TK. We got Scotty, Doug, Peyton, and joining us today is our special guest. We have Hunter down there at the bottom. Hunter, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Good, man. I, I know I was on here about a month, month and a half ago, and had a lot of fun. So, of course, I'm glad, very glad to be back. Awesome. And now uh, we'll just get started here. All the first round games are now officially complete. So I know we touched on a couple of them last last show. But we're going to touch on all of them again real quick just to run through the first round with you guys. And then we'll move ahead to, to the way the second round currently looks. So to get us started, um, let's start off with uh, Colorado versus St. Louis. That was a sweep for nothing in favor of Colorado for the first round win. Um, so let's touch on this one real quick. I am Ryan O'Reilly. We will take this game to seven games. How about the Ryan? O'Re- yeah, how about the Ryan O'Reilly saying the statement of uh, <laughs> "We're gonna have fun and we're going to beat them." Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, one hundred, totally right. Mm-hmm. That's that's totally what happened, right? Yeah, it's always so funny seeing uh, Jordan Bennington be a complete piss baby on the ice trying to fight for the power, <laughs> and it's like, dude, you're like 24 years old. Go home to your frat boyfriends and just like. You, you want a Stanley Cup, you're making $6 million a year. I don't know why you have to act like that. It's like a mini Henrik Lundqvist or something. My favorite thing about Bennington is, uh, and we're probably going to have to get into this er- later, because the other E-Bugs family member uh, started attacking people on Twitter. Um, but how the uh, Blues E-Bug, uh, Tyler Stewart, just goes at people anytime they go after Bennington. And it's just like, Honestly, though, dude, like he's done it to himself. He runs around like he's a WWE wrestler, and he thinks he's the sh- and he thinks he's the shit. Whenever he really isn't, he's honestly a bad person. So, yeah, touching back on uh, Ryan O'Reilly, um, you know, if you're gonna talk that talk, you better be able to back it up. And despite being tied for the team lead in points with a whopping three assists, uh, he was also a dash seven in this series. So, like I said, not exactly. Uh, you know, an impact player that he needed to. But then again, compared to everyone else on the ice, you know, he was working miracles out there. I mean, no one on – St. Louis had no shot in this series. You look at how good uh, Colorado has been. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Nathan McKinnon is a man on a mission. I mean, you see the way he is playing right now. All he cares about is winning a Stanley Cup. And, right, I mean, he is right now the most dangerous player in hockey. I will say that confidently. No, I don't think anyone can really hang with him at the moment. And the, with the group of guys that he has around him, scary times to be uh, yeah. to have to face Colorado. Let's talk about that uh, supporting cast, though. I honestly believe that Colorado's defensive group is the best defensive group I've ever seen on paper. They are just absolutely insane. I mean, you know, like you got – it's McCarr and um, Taves and then Graves and Gerard. And then right now your third pair is um, Patrick Nemeth and Connor Timmons. And I don't know what's going on with Bowen Byram. I don't know what the injury situation is with him, but like one would think if he's able to get healthy in these playoffs, that third pair is going to be uh, Byram and Timmons. And you're just going to let the kids roll and run wild. And that is going to be, a sight to be seen whenever, uh, if that were to able to come to fruition. I've had, I've had people ask me like, you know, like what is it like just watching them? It's like, you're watching the evolution of the game when you watch this team like that. That's really what it is. I mean, this is probably best team we've seen since the 08 Red Wings. I mean, they, 
they demolish anyone they play. You saw what they did to Vegas. I'm probably going to tune into game two tonight since I have off work tomorrow. And yeah, I mean, McKinnon, when he's on, you can make the argument that he's the best player in the world. I know McDavid, mm-hmm. what he did, and Sin's obviously up there and Matthews. But, I mean, they have a super line that has 65% of the expected goals. I mean, almost 70% of the actual goals. It's – Doug nailed it with their defense. It's disgusting. When you have that five-man unit on the ice, good luck. I, I mean, this <laughs> is – it's curtains when you have that super line, Taves and, uh, and McCarr. And then, of course, their goalie is also really good. I mean, it's just good luck getting the puck off them. And they have the depth, even without Nazem Kadri, who, of course, is a flat-out moron for continuing to get suspended. But I mean, you have Brandon Saad on there, JT Comfer, um, Jonas Donskoy, of course, and just so many other really good depth players that is they, they know their roles and they can contribute um, whenever. So, I mean, this team is so deep in um, – it is going to be something that after this series of Colorado wins, they're going to get the winner of Montreal Winnipeg. They, they may honestly go like 12 and two all the way to the final. I think they can sweep their way to the Stanley cup final. Honestly, if uh, flower doesn't steal a game in this uh, Vegas series, because I see no way like it, whether it be Winnipeg or Montreal, I see no way they're going to be able to even hang with that, with, with that team. They need Flower to be – oh, I think he, he needs to be at either 2017 level against Washington or 08 against Detroit to really steal the series. And, and I think Vegas is a really good team. Wallace probably gets that series in a bit, but um, yeah. I just don't think they have the firepower to go up against them. Speaking of 08 against Detroit, happy 13th birthday to the Peter Sikora triple <laughs> overtime winner. In, uh, what was that, game three? Game five, uh, was that game five? Triple, triple OT. Yeah, ten-year-old Hunter was not having a good time uh, at school the next what day. What a pass from this guy! Oh God, unreal. Yeah, the dog was on the team. That's right. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't, I can't stand him. But um, you know, it, it was that was a great pass, and like I said, you know, I probably only got five or six hours of sleep going into fifth grade of school. Yeah, no, no, no. I'll be <laughs> honest with you, like. I used to be a big chicklets guy, but like I'm slowly starting to like phase myself out of it just because like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I, I like to think that I'm very analytically sound and I don't like the whole, like we need the fighting and physicality in the game. And I can't stand them simping for Tom Wilson constantly. So, yeah. The, um, Next one we want to touch on, I know, kind of just led into that with the way Colorado is, uh, we touched on a little bit, beating up on Vegas right now. We'll get to that, that definite, definite series later on as we cover the rest of round one. But the round one matchup between Vegas and Minnesota to finish out in seven games. Um, let's touch on that one. Vegas was able to pull ahead, of course, like the center facing Colorado right now. Um, so let's touch on that. I mean, honestly, like Vegas – I, I kind of hate to say it. They got lucky. Cam Talbot just ran out of gas for the wild, man. Like, he was unreal for a couple games there. He almost uh, went into that uh, 2017 form he was in with when he was with the Oilers. And, I mean, he really almost did the damn thing. Um, I'm excited for, Color, for uh, Minnesota, though, because they're an up-and-coming team. They have a lot of good young pieces, and I think it's going to get a lot, a lot more interesting next year. Whenever you know you can have some of the young guys come up, like Adam Beckman and Marco Rossi, and uh, 
you know, you got to see, you still got to get Fiala and Kaprizov locked up, but I'm sure they'll be able to do that rather convincingly. But um, with Vegas, man, they're, um, they're, they're a team that's just absolutely loaded, but I, I'm, like I said before, I don't think that they're good enough to hang with the um, abs. So, yeah. Yeah, just building off that, kind of what you said, Dougie. I mean, with Minnesota, you know, no one really, you know, had an outstanding performance for them, at least as far as the skaters are concerned. You know, Erickson Eck and Kirill Kaprizov each only had three points. I mean, that was – and that's in a seven-game series. So, I mean, this just – you know, you didn't really get the huge offensive performance that you got. You know, you sprinkle in a couple guys chipping in every night, but, you know – every now and then you need a guy who's really going to, you know, take the reins and, you know, do the job they need to do offensively. And no one really did that for Minnesota per se. Like you said, Cam Talbot just ran out of gas at the end. You know, he had a great series and he did his best to keep him in it. Um, but at the end of the day, Vegas was able to prevail there. Good series by uh, Matias Yanmark. I think he was a guy that was kind of slept on for Vegas. He had a good series, obviously Stone and Alex Tuck did their things, but uh and of course, Mark Andre Fleury also did well in this series. He was really key for them early on, and will probably be key for them against Colorado. And uh, moving along in the second round, but yeah, for Minnesota, I think they need that offensive piece to just step up huge. Obviously, Kaprizov got his first taste of NHL playoff hockey, so we'll see how he adjusts to that now moving forward. But uh, like you said, Minnesota is going to be around for a while now, so get used to seeing them. Yeah, and Absolutely. the big thing I want to touch on is. Um, the fact that Joel Erickson Eck really shouldn't be at fault because he's not a number one center. You know, he reminds you a lot of uh, Miko Koivu where it's like, he's a great number three center on a championship roster, but was forced to play number one center just due to the uh, situation and nature of what Minnesota is like in the ability to um, struggle to like pull big name free agents and, um, really just get like franchise breaking talents at the center position. So that's why I, if in an ideal world, they try and maybe swing a trade for Jack Eichel or maybe bring in Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, in free agency in the off season or look at Sean Monahan or somebody like that, because they need somebody to play with Kirill Kaprizov. I think in an ideal world, the third line on that roster, when they're winning a Stanley cup, potentially, is Jordan Greenway, Joel Erickson, and Marcus Foligno. All right. Anybody else on uh, on this series before we move to the next one? No? Okay. All right. So the next one, we're going to jump over um, and talk about – like we're saving a couple a couple certain ones for, for last. So we're going to jump over to the East and the Central – uh, real quick, we'll do the central first and get that one out of the way. So Carolina versus uh, Nashville in the first round. Carolina winning that in six games, four to two. Uh, Nashville put up a fight, though. A couple of those overtime games going even further than overtime in some of them. Uh, so let's touch on that one real quick. I mean, they didn't do horrible. Um, I remember I told I said that they were going to get swept. I kind of – they kind of maybe eat my words on that. Um I mean, they did good. Uh, both, I'm looking at the scores, you know, game three and four. They both won the double overtime. The Preds won both of them. And, you know, like, like you said, yeah, they put up a fight. So, you can't you can't sneeze at their efforts. Carolina kind of came in there pretty stacked. 
and they were, the odds were already in their favor. But Nashville didn't back down. They didn't lie down and die. So, got to give props to them. Yeah, I mean, UC Soros did everything he could to send that to seven games or honestly just try to win it for them. Um, that was a heroic performance, I thought, from him. He'll be their number one next year. Um, Pecorino either is going to retire or he's going to play somewhere else. I mean, he's not going to sign back there, I don't think. Um, but, you know, they, they, they showed a lot. Of, yeah, I mean, I mean, he, TK hit it on hit the nail on the head there, excuse me. You know, they, they fought them pretty hard, I think a lot harder than um, – a lot of people thought they would, you know, everyone, including me, I thought I said Carolina in five, I think. Um, but, you know, for a while there, it looked like it was going to go back to Raleigh because I think they only tied it with six minutes left. And then of course they won it um, in overtime, but, you know, just seeing that playoff atmosphere in Nashville um, with almost a full crowd, it was, it, it was worth it to see that just because their fans are, um, as I'm sure every, everyone here knows, their their fans there are something else. But um, obviously, I'm not surprised that Carolina won. I was just a bit surprised that um, Nashville put up a really good fight, and especially their star players. I thought played a lot better than they did throughout the season. Philip Forsberg played well. Um, Matt Duchesne, I thought had a much better series than what he had in the regular season. Johansson looked a lot better, you know. And a lot of those those are their most highly paid players, and they didn't play like it for a lot of this season. But it was nice to see them actually, you know play like it as the stakes got higher. I think we also need to acknowledge that playoff Jordan Stahl is an absolute dog too. Man, he had a good series. Different beast. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll never understand people that still hate on him, man. He's, I'll love Jordan Stahl to the day I die. He's, he was so huge for the franchise early on in Sid and Gino's career. And, you know, I always say, you know, that was, that shorthanded goal was probably a top three goal of that run. They don't, they probably don't win a cup without that. So he's, every time he gets into the playoffs, he's just something else. Yeah. I mean, I can, you guys all know this. I love Jordan Stahl. He's still probably my favorite penguin ever. And I will forever be holding out hope that two or three years down the line here, he randomly decides to come back and we get some last dance type stuff with uh, Sid and Gino and the boys. So, yeah. The um, other side of the Central, that series also went to six games for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. That rivalry brewed a lot more than, mo- than most of the uh, past has put out for us. Um, it wasn't always a rivalry between those two. It happened this time um, throughout the season for sure and let- led to the playoffs. Thought Florida was going to be out in five. Um, Spencer Knight sent him to one more game. And that uh, unfortunately ended there. But four to two win for Tampa Bay. They're t- currently taking on Carolina right now, but we'll get to that later. So let's touch on this uh, Tampa Florida series. I'm hey, really excited. Oh, go ahead, Doug. No, you go ahead. Uh, um, I think that they should trust Spencer Knight a bit more because um, Bobrovsky and Drieger are absolutely horrible. Um, there's no need for them. Not <laughs> Bobrovsky is a shell of himself, and Drieger's just Drieger. And I mean, we saw. Spencer Knight, like, you know, he's ready to play. I think, I mean, that literally is their franchise goal. And I think they just need to trust him a bit more. Yeah, I just don't understand how, like, you signed Bobrovsky like 10 or 11 days after you draft that guy, you know? I mean, obviously, none of us knew he was going to be ready this quickly, but, like, 
I think you could have wrote it with like Sam Monambo and Chris Strieger until uh, Spencer Knight was ready. I mean, there are a lot better ways to spend $10 million. And could you imagine what $10 million could get you right now in this flat cap era? I mean, they created an entire playoff roster out of just random like guys that were in unrestricted free agency. I mean, imagine what they could have done with $10 million more dollars. They could have been a legitimate Stanley Cup contender somehow. You know, they could have made a big trade. They could have done something more with this money they're paying Sergey Bobrovsky. And I know it's not feasible and it's probably never going to happen, but I would not be opposed to them once again trading a shitload of assets to an expansion team to offload the Bobrovsky contract. I wouldn't mind it. I think that that would be their best plan of action. But then again, it's like, how do you even go about it? It's probably a top three. I want to say it's probably the worst contract in the league right now. And it's going to be like that for quite some time because it's going to age like, I don't even know, man, like a rotten dumpster. Also have to give credit to Tampa Bay just for playing a Mm -hmm. great series overall too. I mean, as much as, you know, we've dumped on draw for coming back from his, from his injury and whatnot, to step into the NHL playoffs, the most intense hockey you're going to play during the year and put up 11 points in six games. That's pretty impressive. Same goes for Alice Kalorn, Stamkos and Hedman. They all had great series. So did Braden point. Um, Just a great job by Tampa. And obviously Vasilevsky held it down in the crease. So good for them. They did it. They did the job they needed to do. And that's why they're in the position that they're in. And like everyone's been saying pretty much as far as Florida is concerned, the, uh, the goaltending just did not come up clutch when it needed to, you know, it's never a good sign when you're rotating three goalies into a series. So unfortunately for them, that's going to be something they have to look at here in the off season and we'll see what decisions they make for it with it going forward. So Tampa's moving on. Um, up to the uh, East side of that. Uh, we'll touch on this one a little bit. Then we'll jump down to one in the North and save our last two for, to, for last, obviously. Uh, Boston versus Washington. That was a four-one win for Boston. Capitals didn't really push uh, too much competition against the Bruins there. So let's touch on that real quick. They rolled over pretty much. I mean, it just wasn't much of a fight with the Capitals. It seemed like again another situation where they got to go to three goalies again because you know something happened. Vitek Vanek goes down with an injury. Now we have to push Craig Anderson in net. And Craig Anderson, you know, statistically speaking, was the best goalie they had. Samsonov didn't do anything, you know, outstanding in particular. He was 0-3. I understand that, he, you know, he did the best that he could with what was what the situation he got put into. But, I mean, it wasn't a very good look for him. And, obviously, you know, the, the mistake in game five is going to come back and haunt him. But, you know, it is what it is. Again, no one really stepped up offensively for Washington either. Ovechkin and Oshie were the highest point getters with four. So, I mean, there was no Nick Backstrom. He all but, you know, disappeared during this series. Evgeny Kuznetsov only played in three games, and he was held pointless, so he didn't really do that much either. And Boston pretty much had an easy coast to it. Tuka Rast stood on, still on his head pretty much, had a great series. You know, that top line with Pasternak, uh, Bergeron and Marchand also did what they needed to do as well. Had a couple of the death pieces chip in. It was a pretty easy series for Boston, and that's why they're moving on. Anybody else for this one? 
I mean, I just want to touch on something real quick. I think the only, the big thing that makes Boston so good is that the um, Hall, Krejci, Smith line is like a great value version of their top line. And that helps their scoring depth so much. Um, and if, uh, if Taylor Hall's open to signing an extension in Boston, which I think he might be, look out, man. That team can be loaded because – Big person we're actually forgetting about that's been injured all season uh, for them is uh, Andre Kasha. And he's still like, even though he's going to be like a second, third line piece for them in the long run, the dude is still damn good. And, you know, you have him and uh, Charlie Coyle running your third line. Like that's, that's a really stacked championship type roster going into an off season where you expect Krejci and Tuka to both take less to uh, for the betterment of the team. So. All right. Um, and then touching the other one real quick before we get to the last two Winnipeg versus Edmonton. That's a sweep for Winnipeg 4-0 and that one Winnipeg looked terrible. Uh, so let's get to that one real quick. Shame on Edmonton. Just shame. Not surprised, honestly. I mean, when, Look at the look at the Oilers after Drysaddle and McDavid. Who do they have? I mean, really got to think about it. I mean, the Nuge is not going to be enough to help carry the team. Neither was uh, what's his name, the defenseman Tyson Berry. He kind of you know turned into a pumpkin in this series too. And then the goaltending, Mike Smith's not a guy that's going to steal a series for you. Not at this age of the game, you know, he's not going to be that guy. Credit to the Jets. Their players did what they needed to do. Shifley and Wheeler both had great series. So did uh, Kyle Connor and Morrissey was great for them on the back end. Connor Hellebuck made saves. At the end of the day, Winnipeg did what they needed to do. Their players played their game and Edmonton didn't have an answer. And that's going to be the problem with Connor McDavid. It's time at Edmonton right now. I mean, I forget how many seasons into his career he's in now. It's got to be like five or six. I don't know offhand, but either way, the guy has no help. I mean, it's literally him and Dreisaitl dragging the rest of the team with him. And it's not going to equate to long-term success until that. And I understand, you know, obviously with their cap situation, you know, you tied up a lot of money to two players, but, you know, someone was going to do that and someone else was going to do that if you didn't do it. So you kind of had to. But in this, in this case, Edmonton's just got to find a way to get some more pieces to help out McDavid and Dreisaitl because right now those guys are being left out to dry, in all honesty. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I feel bad for both of them. You know, hopefully at some point Connor just acts, asks out of there just because it's just really bad. And um, I think a lot of people forget Oscar Clefbaum being out for the year really hurt them. Um, he's he's not a number one in my opinion, but he's a strong number two. So having him back next year, I think, will really help them. But they also got to get some more depth scoring in there. Um, Peter Shirley really screwed them um, with all the years that he was there making a lot of stupid trades and. You know, you have Ken Holland saying after the season that they want to play more like Winnipeg for next season. It's like, okay, so you just want to rely on a goalie to just carry you into the playoffs. I don't really understand that, but, you know, it is Ken Holland after all. Then you also have them saying that they want to go out and re-sign Adam Morrison to a four-year term, which would just be, I mean, what are we what, what are we doing here with, with that? I mean, that's just like, I, I just think they're an organization that doesn't really get it. Um, and I'm sure, I don't know if any of you saw this this morning you know Pierre Maguire's dumping on analytics as usual but saying the Edmonton Oilers are an analytical team it's like I don't think they've ever used that to function with their decisions especially because 
as you've all said, they have two good players. Nugent Hopkins isn't bad, but he's probably going to walk this year and make a lot of money. After that, they have Yamoto. I mean, Zach Cassian, but like, there's just, there's not a lot after that. Analytical team when the uh, beat writers for Edmonton believe that the arc of their defense is Chris Russell. <laughs> that is just, that's fantastic. I will say, also, Darnell had a good season, though. I like watching him. He's, he's so, gotten a lot better. Darnell Nurse, he's gotten a lot better. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Ethan Bear is going to get a lot better I th- there as well. Don't know Ethan why he's getting stays. Better. Yeah, I don't know why he's getting Edmonton better. literally, all the Edmonton fans literally, like, just, like, why? Like, it's not just his fault. <laughs> he, played, he played his ass off. I don't really understand that either. They just – they need a lot of help. Um, yeah, I mean, and the funny thing is Mike Smith actually had a really good regular season. Um, but, I mean, it doesn't mean anything when he just vomits all over himself in the playoffs. So, they, they do got to go out and fix their goaltending situation. Everyone – I think some people forget that they they almost had Markstrom. Probably would have been a bad contract to sign because he signed for mm-hmm. $6 million per or something like that. But um, they have a lot of holds to fix going into the next season. And um, – there's not a lot of cap space. That, that's for sure. They're probably going to take a chance on someone like Linus Allmark or something and hope that it works. And honestly, I think that that might be the guy for them because they're not going to have the uh, money to uh, pay like a Peter Morazic or somebody of that nature. Either that or they um, need to get in and look at teams that have goaltending issues like expansion wise, like, you know, maybe look at a Chris Strieger or Merce Leakins or Corpus Salo in Columbus, something like that. So, yeah. All right. Then the uh, final two that we want to talk about in the first round before we just touch on the second round ones here. Um, let's toss this up to Toronto um, in, in North because this was – Embarrassing, and I here we know go. Doug, want, Doug wants to have his uh soapbox here, here. So, um, Montreal losing this series four to three in seven games. Um, I don't even know where to start with this, so just let's just <laughs> go ahead because this is pathetic. In my opinion, uh, where's the Joker makeup? Just put it on already. Who, who are we trading? Who are we trading? Which one of them are we trading? The whole fucking team. No, it has to be moving, moving to fucking Atlanta. <laughs> no, no, it has to be, it has to be money, you know. Um, I mean, he's an 11 million dollar player and he literally just disappears, you know. And I know it's not his fault, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders, you know. His uh RFA negotiations were a mess. And they're not even his fault. That's on his agent. That's on his dad. That's on Mike Babcock. But when you make $11 million in this league, especially in a market as big as Toronto, you need to come in and back it up. Austin Matthews backs it up. William Nylander makes $6.9 million, but he played like an $11 million player in that first round series. You know, there's so many guys around him to back it up, you know, Jason Spezza. There were times in this series where Jason Spezza was putting the team on his back. He shouldn't have to. He's too old for that. He's too tired for that. 
there's a lot of miles on that body. You need him as a complimentary piece and to be the team dad, not carry your entire roster, you know? I mean, and a lot of it, you know, one could argue there's a lot of, like, big systemic issues with that defense. They have a really good defensive core on paper, but, like, just random game-breaking mistakes at the most inopportune times. You know, like, Travis Dermott, I mean, literally did the defensive version of Jari just saucing the puck to Josh Bailey in the neutral zone. Um, you know, and then Rasmus Sandin got cooked the game before, and that was why Dermott went in, you know? I don't understand how, like, Travis Dermott can be, like, a semi-consistent NHL player for, like, four or five years now, and he's still not getting it. You know, every year, I, so, I, I swear, every summer, I'm listening to the Steve Dangle podcast, and I, I hear Steven, Adam, and Jesse say, all right, this year's going to be the year that Travis Dermott gets his big run. This is going to be it. This is going to be the year. You know, when the thing that sucks about all of this is Kyle Dubas had an offer on the table last summer to trade Travis Dermott and Andre Johnson for Mackenzie Weger, but he didn't take it. And, you know, imagine if the, 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 this team had Mackenzie Weaver. You know, if you – oh, my God. Like, Riley, Weaver, Muzzin, Brody, and then Sandine and Hull. Like, that's pretty shut down defensively. That's pretty solid defensive group. But I just don't understand it, man. And, like, you know, everybody's going to be talking about Marner for Eichel. But, like, don't trade – if you're going to trade Mitch Marner, don't trade him for just one player you need to trade them for several pieces that can make your team better and keep them in big time contention under the cap, you know? So like try Arizona, you know, try and get someone like Connor Garland or maybe Jacob Chikrin. I know Jacob Chikrin is going to be hard to get because he's quite literally the best kept secret in this league. He is, in my opinion, he's a top five defenseman in the league. He just doesn't get play media wise because he plays in Arizona. If you put Jacob Chikrin in a media market like Toronto, he would be like crowned the second coming of Christ, you know? And I don't know, man. Part of me thinks uh, similar to what we're going to get into uh, in a little bit with Brian Rust. Um, you might try and cash out on Morgan Riley, knowing that you're not going to be able to pay him in su next summer. You might try and just move him for a big return and, try and use those assets assets elsewhere because who knows this team can you know if they move out 11 million dollars they can do a lot and i don't know man i just don't understand like how i don't understand how your roster can consist of marner tavares nylander matthews zach hyman guys like that and not even just that but like you have free like a guaranteed hall of famer in your bottom six and joe thornton and one of the most underrated players of our lifetime in jason spencer and they still can't get it done you know they got goaltending finally with jack campbell but like you wonder can that be sustained because goalies are weird man they 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 can go off for a year i mean look at tristan jari 
he looked great uh, last year and at several points in this season. And then he went into the playoffs and looked didn't look like an NHL goaltender at all. So I don't know, man. I just think big changes are needed in Toronto because you got to find a way to spread that cap out a little bit more and uh, make it more of a contender long term. So here are some things that I just want to point out about the Toronto Maple Leafs because this goes beyond just this year and all the shortcomings that they had that they've had. In all honesty, the Toronto Maple Leafs are one of, if not the most pathetic teams in the world of sports, and their fans eat it up with pride and loyalty. Here are some facts for you. Since 1967, the Toronto Maple Leafs have no Stanley Cup Finals appearances, no season MVPs, no season point leaders, no Hart trophies, no Norris trophies, no Vesna trophies, no Stanley Cups, and no Conn Smice. Since 2004, the Toronto Maple Leafs have suffered five first-round exits and one loss in the qualifying round. Thanks for coming, Columbus. No Leafs player has ever won the Art Ross or James Norris trophy in their 103-year history. And the first player to win the Rocky Richard trophy happened this year with Austin Matthews. To put it bluntly, the history of this franchise is an embarrassment to the original six. It's an embarrassment to the NHL. It's an embarrassment to professional hockey in general. All their cups that they won were played against five other teams in a black and white world. I mean, let's just be real about it. I mean, I don't ever want to hear about how this is the, how this year is different for the Leafs and how, you know, they're going to keep going after the cup year after year. Hear how, you know, Sportsnet up in Toronto or Ontario keeps, you know, telling about how great this team is. That was pathetic. You know, I, if you thought 2019 was bad for the Leafs and their fan base, this has to be 10 times worse. You, you, had, you had the win. It was over. You had a 3-1 series lead and you blew it again. You got game seven syndrome for the umpteenth time. And honestly, how could, every, how could every city in Canada not be celebrating after game seven? I guarantee you everybody was. They had to be. Just a good old time. I mean, you, imagine, you know, bringing in 500 of those frontline workers, all those people who helped out in the hospitals and, you know, have done so much for everybody during the pandemic. And that's the worst thing you end up seeing is the Leafs getting – slaughtered in game seven just pathetic it's tough to follow up <laughs> i was just gonna add it's gonna it's just gonna be hilarious whenever if if toronto ever gets past the first round the city of toronto is going to just go up in flames like they're gonna be they're gonna be partying like they would just want to stand like up just because they got past the first round I just think that's hilarious because <laughs> that's literally what's going to happen. Like, they're going to celebrate in the streets because they finally got past the first round. It's going to be like when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Literally. <laughs> uh, Honestly, the, we, we talk about the Oilers being the Cleveland Browns of the NHL. This is the true Cleveland Browns of the NHL. The Cleveland Browns. Let's just put this out. The Cleveland Browns did better this season, so let's not well, let's not go. All there. that talent, <laughs> and they're still not a contender. All that talent, they're still. Not hey, a we contender. beat the Steelers in the playoffs this year. I don't even hey. think you can compare the Leafs to any franchise, though. That's yeah. the thing. Like you honestly can't. Who who in their fifty year franchise? Who in their not even fifty years, but just in the last fifty years, who has suffered as much as Toronto has? Who's underachieved as much as they have to the level that they have? It's it. There's nothing else to compare it to. 
you haven't won a playoff series since 2004, since Spider-Man 2 was out. That's the last time you guys won a playoff series. That's a hell of a reference, Scotty. Yeah, I know. Movie. Jesus I'm, Christ. I'm like, okay, what are, what are things that happened in 2004? I was only like four years old. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. God. Okay. <laughs> Blockbuster was still in business. Yeah, Blockbuster was still a thing. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Like, you remember on. you could go rent a video? Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like Matt like, Sunday's the county. Go to the grocery store and get those rent rental movies from the little kiosk. You just pay yeah. for Exactly. Like, there was a completely different world the last time. <laughs> 2004. Yeah. Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco weren't even signed to record labels yet. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, actually, no, they were signed to record labels, but they didn't put out the big albums yet. Still, Sugar like, were going down was in its infancy. Like just so basically like building off my point, you can't compare them to anyone. You know, it's not like I can like you can look at Connor McDavid and say, okay, he's like the Mike Trout of the NHL. He's the best player in the game, but he has no help, so his teams are never gonna win. You can make that comparison. Well, like there's nothing you can compare the Leafs to. They are just their own section of pain. That's all they are. There's no other team to compare them to. They're that's they are just the Leafs, and that's all you can call them for what they are. At the new end. level, it's a new load for them, honestly. Yeah, it really is. Of course, At the, the very uh, least, yeah. should have gotten to the second round. At the least, they should have gotten to the second round this year. They should have got to the uh, final. They should have got to the Stanley Cup final. That, that's where uh, they should have gone. Yeah. Eastern Conference Don't, don't, don't push. Eastern don't Conference push. Final. I'm not going to go that far. They were going to choke at some point. It was just a matter of time. But I didn't think it'd be in the first round. They yeah. should have they, they should have got their way through the North. Yeah. Yeah. They played those fuckers all season long. They whooped butt mm-hmm. on every single one of them all season long. And you get to the, you get to the, the first round playing Montreal of all people. The last team to clinch a playoff spot this year based on the amount of points the last freaking team and you get your ass handed to you on a platter by montreal choke yeah so it's a choke and then talking about the next team that we want to uh touch on this is our the hometown team pittsburgh again going down oh let's go baby um rematch of 2019 when they got beat by the islanders um we thought it was gonna be different it wasn't I would like to add one more thing yeah, about um, Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Um, so it's actually more about Montreal. Montreal has upset two years in a row. Yeah. Pens. Last year. Mm-hmm. And then they embarrassed the Leafs. Absolutely embarrassed them. They embarrassed the Pens last season. They did embarrass the Pens, but I think this is more of an embarrassment. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at the fact that Montreal won it in less games against the Pens last season. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. That's the only reason. Don't but, remind me. <laughs> the team last year was absolute fecal matter compared to what this Toronto Maple Leafs team was. Right. This, this is 100. Yeah, it's 100% more embarrassing for the Leafs when you look at, you know, can you compare those two teams? The Penguins had one of the worst, <laughs> the Penguins defensive core was terrible. All right. I want to remember Jack, Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz. That was a fun pairing, wasn't it? Remember having Patrick Marlowe on our third line and scratching Jared McCann instead, even though Marlowe couldn't do anything. That was a good time too, wasn't it? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Toronto. Toronto Toronto's definitely more embarrassing. They had everything and they failed. So, 
But, um, yeah, moving on to the Penguins uh, losing in six games to the Islanders here. Um, Doug looks like he's ready to run through a wall here to talk about this. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm just like, he's like, he's like, shut up TK. I want to go right now. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that is just so unfortunate is the forward group and defensive group as a whole played so well. They were playing almost at a championship level, especially in the game with the Tanov game winner. Um, I just don't understand. Like, it's just – it's honestly a shame that, um, you know, and I feel like a lot of this is going to occur in hindsight once Crosby and Malkin's careers are over. But once again, this was a con- – like a league semifinal run at minimum floundered away by goaltending. You know, just absolutely – just thrown to hell in a handbasket by um, the goalies, you know? And, I mean, during the double OT game, I had someone text me and they were like, hey, are you, like, upset about the game or whatever? And it's like, literally, the legacy of my favorite player's career is never going to reach its full potential due to head injuries and the fact that his goaltenders were so goddamn pedestrian at times that him and his sidekick were not able to reach their full potential. Crosby and Malkin should have probably four or five Stanley Cups right now. Like we should be in the immortality phase of um, this group, you know, where they're all guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famers, even Latang, And, you know, we, we're all just kind of like riding high, like whatever happens, happens. But now, like, we still see ourselves searching for that, like, I want to say last cup, but like potentially like that last big run out of this group because of how bad Flurry was in the early 2010s at times and how bad Jari was lot this year, you know? And if you look at some of the charts that were tweeted during that playoff series, especially after it was over, it makes you wonder, like, what the hell could have Matt, could Matt Murray have done with this defensive group? I genuinely think he would have at least won a playoff round. I mean, I'm not going to be that guy and do this whole thing, but, like, part of me wonders – how different things would be if they were able to keep Murray around because Jari just isn't it. And they're going to have to go out and find either a veteran goaltender or a goaltender that's just flat out better than Tristan Jari to run with him in a 1A, 1B tandem in a sense to basically babysit him. So uh, one thing that was very annoying about this, uh, about the performance of Tristan Jari was all of the people who were saying, you know, should have kept Flurry or, you know, something like that. And I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. it needs to stop. Let's just turn the clock back to 2017. Okay. I mean, let's just turn it back. You had a much younger goalie who'd won two straight cups, was much cheaper and was re- more reliable at the time. You were going to pick Murray over Flurry every time in that scenario. Yeah. Things didn't work out because Matt Murray regressed. 
but Florida would have done the same here with this defense. I mean, to say that Florida would have done the same with this deep, this with same here with this defense is asinine. I mean, the organization tried to panic for this. I think they're going to try and panic for Florida in the offseason. They're going to do a panic trade. It wouldn't shock me. I could honestly see them doing it if they actually do manage to go that route. You know, I, I mean, I saw Hextall's conference today where he was basically saying how, you know, well, Tristan had a tough time, but he's a young goalie. He'll learn from these mistakes. He'll pick it up. Listen, you have at most, maybe, I mean, maybe next year is the last year potentially that you have at winning a Stanley Cup. Are you going to go into that season and think to yourself, yeah, Tristan Jari is the guy for me. This is the guy that's going to help us get over the hump and do what we need to do. You know, he's going to be the – if something does crap out here, hey, at least we have Tristan Jari backing us up. I really don't know. I mean, I, I want to have faith in that guy. I wanted to have faith in Matt Murray, but, you know, we saw how that situation unfolded. It seems like it might be happening again with Tristan Jari. Who knows? But, I mean, it's really hard to tell right now. Dougie, go ahead. I, I just want to say this about Tristan Jari. I don't understand this whole, oh, he's still young thing. He's 26 years old. Like, he's not young. They're running around saying, oh, he's a young kid. Like, he's like 22 or 23. And it's his first year in the league. Like, he's been around. He's technically established. I mean, I know it's basically a consolation prize when you think about it, but the guy went to an all-star game. I mean, he has experience in the league. I think it just boils down to maybe he's not a playoff goalie. Maybe he's not a guy you trust in a big body of games. And if that's the case, get someone to roll, roll with him because as much as he infuriated me in this series, I still don't want – I still don't want him to leave. I still think that he deserves another crack at it. And I think, you know – we're really getting into a, um, especially now, like you see with Vegas, like I know that Leonard played horrible in game one, but like you're going to, I think we're getting to a point in the league where you're going to need two good goalies to win a Stanley cup. And you're going to need them to pick, pick each other up and play off of each other. Well, you know, um, I just think that that's the way to go. You know, if you can get two good goalies and fit them under the cap and still field a very competitive uh, forward core, I think that's the way to go, you know. And I don't know where they go from here. I imagine they're going to try and address goaltending in the offseason. And, you know, I still think Tristan Jari's on the roster come October, but I don't know if it's going to be a start in a uh, starting capacity. Okay. Who else on this one? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you all basically hit the nail on the head there. Um, luckily, Doug, there's a lot of good veteran options in the offseason. Peter Morazic, Linus Olmark. I mean, hell, you can take a flyer on Frederick Anderson if you want to. He's mm -hmm. hurt a lot this year, but, I mean, he'll probably want a bit more. Um, I think there's no doubt they will sign someone in the offseason probably as a 1B kind of type to push him. You know, if Charlie does struggle next season, you can just put him in the starting role and they've had experience starting. No, it's a classic series where, you know, you saw the national stat trick charts and you're like, you know, how the hell are the Penguins losing it? It's the biggest X factor come playoff time is always goaltending. And, you know, Ilya Sorokin was really good. They kind of got halocked in a way from 2010. And, you know, Tristan Jari kind of played like Marc-Andre Fleury a bit in those years. And, you know, 
I understand, you know, some people are a little hesitant to criticize him, but he kind of cost them at least three runs at the Stanley Cup. Um, but, you know, he, his smiles per 60, guys, is, is so is so high. So, you know, you always got to remember that, you know, he always smiles and everything. And then, you know, you have all these Islander fans on Long Island hooting, hollering, bitching, whining just because, well, you know, we want to play the underdog victim and all this garbage, you know. You live on Long Island, but, I mean, I'm just – like this was always going to be a tough series. I don't think anyone was discounting that. I was not surprised that it was two, two through four. It was just when the Penguins really pushed play in the next two games, they just didn't get a save when they needed to, especially um, in game six where um, they played their asses off in those first two periods, took a three, two lead well into the second period. And then, you know, all the hell broke loose. But um, I understand also people are going to be a little upset that Hextall with what he said today, he didn't overreact. This is not Jim Rutherford here who would make 50,000 trades in the offseason and just blow the team up for the sake of doing that. They're going to bring the coach back. They're going to bring a lot of these players back. Sure, they're going to lose someone really good in expansion. Hopefully, they don't protect Jeff Carter in expansion. That would be a mistake. Um, no. I think – and I love Jeff Carter a lot, but you think Seattle's going to take a 36-, 37-year-old center – no, I mean, it's probably because they had a point you're asking for them to take Teddy Bluegrave for not protecting him. And that's a player I really don't want to lose. I mean, I saw people telling, saying on Twitter the other day that, you know, they'd rather protect Kapanen and Carter and Tanov over Bluegrave. I'm like, I, I don't know what you're smoking, but I'd much rather protect Teddy Bluegrave over Jeff Carter or honestly even Brandon Tanov. You know, I could see them protecting Tanov, but um, I don't think I, I, I would dare Seattle to take that contract from them, to be honest with you. But um, it's it's the big thing you know they're obviously going to lose a good player they, they're, they're four lines deep um but this is still going to be a really good team going into next season and you know they'll make some tweaks along the edges as they should you know you have the, the core pieces in place no they're not going to trade jake gensel stop that hogwash you know oh my god he, he has three goals in his last 14 playoff games he he's not physical enough who cares Sh- shut up he had 23 goals in 37 playoff games before this. I don't really know where this weird narrative is coming from. Now, if you want to maybe think about trading Brian Ross during his last year of his deal, and you want to get a good package back for him, because there are a lot of GMs who would probably give up a first plus a top nine forward for him. Then, you know, let's have that discussion because I don't want the Penguins to be paying Brian Russ 5 million per in his next contract. That would be a mistake. All right, I'm, we're just going to get into this right now. I want to trade Brian Russ for Maxime Comtois. I knew you were going to say that. I was just about to say do it. I don't know how possible now. it is. I don't know how realistic it is. But we're all talking about physicality and pushback, and it's probably the best guy to go for, you know, unless you want to unload Zucker and try and go at Brandon Sodden free agency. I think you were a Zucker. Definitely could see Brandon Sod in the Penn's jersey. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. But do you think that that's realistic or no? Like trying to get Comtois off in Anaheim? Not at all. Probably not. Yeah. I figured not. You know, another thing that's been uh, spoken into existence for me, and I'm sure you've got it too, Hunter. Our buddy Clark is uh, very big on the Blake Coleman train. Yeah, you know, if they want to get big and tougher, as I, I know Ron Hextall talked about that today, but he also said that him and Sullivan are aligned with how they want the team to play. Mm-hmm. So 
that's obviously a fast pace, a highly skilled game. I mean, it, it's, I had to do a double take when Brian Burke said we have to skate away from what the Islanders are doing. Like, oh, okay. I guess someone took over your brain there for a second. But yeah, Blake Holman makes a lot of sense, but who's going to pay him? I mean, he's going to want a lot of money. I think like, but like, I feel like he could probably take a deal under $4 million. Like, I think he could take a TANF type of deal, potentially. I, I do it. You know, he makes all the sense in the world. You can plug him anywhere in the lineup. He's tough to play against. He's physical. Yeah. Everyone And, you know, Ron, Ron also said today a lot of these players are very hard to find. And there's one right there that's going to be hitting the market. So um, if you want to try to outbid yourself for him I mean, or outbid a lot of other teams – Go right ahead. I just, you know, don't want another Rutherford situation here where you just outbid yeah. too far. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. Um, I don't know, man. There's like – and, like, that's the nice thing is we're finally going into an offseason where we have no idea what's going to happen yeah. in a good way. You know, like, we're not, like, freaking out. We're not – I'm not wake. I'm not waking up every day in the fear that Jared McCann got traded in some random ass panic move made by Jim Rutherford because he got angry one night that they lost three, two in the middle of February to St. Louis, you know, I'm not having that anymore. And uh, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, I, as much as I love Brian Rust, if you can cash out on him and get a good top nine forward and a first round draft pick, that would be pretty big. I know that um, it was reported earlier, like earlier in the year that they wanted to try and get back into the first round in some way, shape or form. So that might be the way to do it. That is another thing that we uh, put in the chat, Doug, that we uh, I'll throw out there. I know it's not really a, anything that's set in stone or anything like that at all. But you, you've put it out there, the people talking about also trading Gensel. And uh, so I think we could, we, I mean, I, know it's not, I have no idea that that'll happen at all. But I'm just saying that's, no that's, it's been a discussion. If Gensel, if Gensel gets traded, um, my, the jersey curse that I have will continue to be true. And I don't want that. Just dump into the Ohio yeah. if they trade Jake Gensel, to be honest. I swear to God, yeah. every jersey I get, they just trade him. <laughs> yeah. June, I'm gone. Mean, <laughs> Jari's probably not. He had weirdo. Saying, he had weirdo saying he, he should be traded for Matthew Kachuk, and I'm like, get the hell yeah. out of here, man! Like, ew. I'm like, I just a really good player, but he's there's not. no need to trade Gensel. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think. you know, all these people that you know, he has three goals in 14 playoff games. Yeah, he also had 23 in his first 37. People are streaky. It happens. Yeah, yeah. He also led the team in. High danger chances in this in the series and shots on goal and shot attempts per sixty and individual scoring chances. It's like the all their goalie was God. It really is not. People were just looking for excuses. Yeah, I don't really have much to add to this other than the fact that I'm not going to play into that oddly specific media member and all of his henchmen who um, have a bunch of random numbers in their Twitter usernames. <laughs> um, I'm not going to waste my time on that because I'm better than that and I'm above that. And those are the type of people that I either mute on Twitter or flat out attack them until I'm blocked. You know, I just, I just don't get it. You know, and then like I have these people like trying to like message me on Twitter and they're like, Oh, do you think they need to get fist points? Like, no. Yeah. 
like literally your physicality is the fourth line. And if you lose Aston Reese in expansion, like I think we're all mentally prepared to, yeah, you have guys that can fill that role, you know. So Horner can do it. Freddie will be back. And Freddie's gonna be back. Freddie has to be back. Like you need to get him him and Cece on a two to three year deal, like right now. You know, I I I'd be perfectly fine if you go into next year with the fourth line being Tanev, Bluger, and Freddie. Yeah. I could, I can run with that. And um, I don't know, you know, maybe potentially look at trading Jason Zucker. I mean, I know everybody likes to say it's a Broussard situation, but it's really more of a David Perron thing where it's like the guy's doing almost everything right. It just hasn't worked. Yeah. You know, and I think that was a trade that was made with the um, impression that the cap was going to continue to inflate. And now we're at a point where the cap's going to stay flat for four or five years. And I don't know, maybe they can't support that now. We'll see, though. Right, anything else on the uh, Penguins, though, before we get to touch on the second round series is moving on here? Oh, I forgot we still have to do that. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> to touch on them real quick. Holy hell. All right, let's uh, let's do this. So basically what we're going to do with these second round ones, um, we are just going to look at them, tell everybody who's in them, and we're just going to make little predictions on them real quick to, before we close it out. So uh, moving on, looking at this one, by the way, for you guys who are um, interested, uh, the Canadians are up five to three with under a minute to go on a power play with a Jets empty net. Honestly, so, Mark, I really – I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, for the series now. After that hit, that looked bad. Um, Was that Mark Shifley might be gone for Ooh. a bit after this did to Jake Evans? I do not. If anyone saw, just saw that hit, it is it's bad. Huge it looks like he's knocked out. Huge loss of Bestley face. I really think it actually even more so if that's the case. I really think Montreal might do another upset here. Even with I know Mark Shifley, yeah, because. I mean, they're they're hot right now. Montreal's hot, and all it takes, especially all of you know, especially in the playoffs, all it takes is a hot team, hot streak, and you know they have they. I think they have a lot of um, adrenaline and uh, hype now that they beat Toronto. Are going to carry that over into this Winnipeg series, and if Winnipeg's not careful, they might lose. They're gonna they might lose the series. So everybody make their predictions on this, who they're picking for winning the Winnipeg Montreal series. Most Montreal team is a team with nothing to lose. Montreal has been that team for the last two years. They know, hey, in a normal playoff setting, we wouldn't be here. But yet we were just good enough that we were able to make it. So what do we have to lose at this point? That's all that matters. As long as you're there, you're there. It doesn't matter. You're there. You know I don't care if you got the first seed or the last. You're there. You know what? I'm going to make buy it count. I'm, I'll buy into the Montreal hype this year. I'll go Montreal in seven. That's what I'll do. Okay. Yeah, I think I'll say Montreal here, especially because I think Shifley is probably going to be out for the series now. Um, don't – it probably only should watch that hit once. Um, it was just – it's like a Tom Wilson level bad hit. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Doug Payton. Yeah. I'm going Montreal. Um, 
all those young guys just so happen to be playoff players too. And that is, uh, that's a big thing, um, you know, for them. And I mean, Kotkaniemi and Suzuki are bringing it, man. They're so much fun to watch every single night. And it's only a matter of time until Caulfield starts hitting pay dirt and just starts ripping the puck like he's Phil Kessel. I'm going to actually go Montreal on six. Okay. I like it. So most people, everybody pretty much taking Montreal uh, to move ahead to the final, uh, the, the final of, out of the North, I should say. Um, let's move ahead to the next one. Uh, currently, game two is tonight with this one, but Colorado versus Vegas. Colorado leading at one nothing right now um, after the annihilation Vegas took on Sunday. Um, I am biased. Colorado. Um, everybody else, go ahead, though. <laughs> I just watched the hit. Oh my god, it's so bad. Yeah, he's he'll be he'll be gone. Holy shit! Yeah, that's 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 bad. He he doesn't look like he's like he doesn't even look like he's up. But uh, Colorado, uh, they'll go to the semifinals and they'll probably blitz whoever wins this uh, Canadian series. That's for sure. I'm honest. I know I got a Vegas jersey on, but I I actually do think Vegas will get one game, just one. So I think I might go five. Uh, Colorado in five. I will also go Colorado in five with this one, just because I feel like, like you kind of said, Peyton, you know, they are a good team. They, I feel like at some point, Flower will be able to steal at least one game for, uh, for Vegas. However, Colorado is just too much to handle. And I feel like the way Grubauer has been playing so far, it's, it's going to be, you know, enough to handle whatever Vegas throws at them. Not to mention they got that defensive core that Dougie absolutely loves. So, yeah, Colorado in five. They're going to sweep um, Vegas. I thought it was safely they got hit. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no. That's Evan, an ugly Evan, hit. Evan just got killed. That is an ugly hit. Yeah, oh my it's, god. It's very bad. Um uh, but, uh, oh, he's being stretched off the ice. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. It's that bad. Jeez. Um Yeah, no, but Colorado is gonna sweep Vegas. I'm taking it right now. Um but yeah, that, that hits really bad, man. Hopefully Jake Evans is okay, but like I mean, I don't even understand, like, empty net situation. I get it, but, like, why do you got to run the guy? It's just senseless. It's a shame. And he's a leader on that team, too. Mark Travis is a leader. It, exactly. It's not like that, it was What kind of example are you even setting? It was, it was literally the best player on your roster just deciding to run through a guy. And Jake Evans, him. honestly, off that head, he could be out for a while. Yeah. Yeah, it's not good. All right, did everybody make their picks on that one? I wasn't. We were back and forth between uh, hit and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. I think we're all taking Colorado in some capacity. All right. Uh, then over to the other side, it's uh, in the Central Carolina versus Tampa. Tampa leading that two nothing right now in that series. I'll game three tomorrow night. Tampa. Tampa uh, it almost seems like it's like a big brother, little brother serious because Carolina's built just like them or they have their roster mm-hmm. constructed like them, but Tampa's top players are just a step above Carolina's. I mean, Carolina can run Ajo, Stechnikov, and Teravine at you, and that's a, one of the best lines in hockey, but 
when you have Kucherov, Point, and Palat coming at you the other way, it's just that's not fair. And um, and also it helps when you do have the best goaltender on the planet. I mean, he's Vasilevsky. I understand Flory had a great year, but Vasilevsky, I think, deserves to win the Vesna. And um, that's I think that's the big difference maker in this series. Tampa will win that one. Okay. Yeah, I also have Tampa winning, uh, I'll say in five for this one, just because they're already off to a great start. And like you said, Kowalski's <laughs> playing out of his mind right now for them, for uh, Tampa. And if you can do that well against a team with as many weapons as Carolina, I think you're, uh, you've pretty much sealed your fate. And I like where Tampa's at right now. And I think they're going to be punching their ticket to round three again. Honestly, I think um, I think I, I am going to go with Tampa, but I think it's going to be six games. I think Carolina could force another game. Uh, I, I don't. They're definitely not going to lay down and die. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Tampa in six. Tampa in five. Um, you know, like I always say about um, how much I love Colorado's full defensive group. I love Tampa's forward group that much more. Um, just the complimentary pieces they have are just incredible. And I know they had to do some uh, finagling to keep them all under the cap this year. But, like, honestly, man, like, when you have, like, Yanni Gordon and Blake Coleman skating on your third line, you're doing something right. You know, and – this isn't going to go away. They have some good pieces down in Syracuse right now that uh, will be able to come up and uh, contribute next year at, at, at the earliest, I would think. So this train can keep rolling for a long, long time, regardless of who they lose. And I imagine that they're going to be one of those teams that uh, gives the Kraken a bunch of assets to take on a bad contract or two. So, you know, replace Tyler Johnson with, uh, one of the guys down in Syracuse, and they, they might be able to keep this thing rolling for a couple more years. All right. And then the uh, last one, of course, is Boston and the New York Island, New York Islanders. They're tied one-to-one. Uh, next game tomorrow night also. Uh, let's make our picks on this one. I'm going to go Boston and seven on this one. I know that uh, – Obviously, Poshnox had a great uh, early series so far. Same with Bergeron and Martian and even David Krejci to a certain extent. But uh, with the Islanders, specifically with their goaltending situation, I don't know if they have a clear-cut number one right now. Obviously, Sorokin started the series with, uh, with against Pittsburgh. Then Varlamov hopped back in. Then they went back to Sorokin. Well, Sorokin lost game one, and now Varlamov started game two. He gets the win. So now you got to wonder, like, are they just going to keep, you know, switching goalies in and out the entire time? I don't know how that's going to work out for the Islanders. I just, I feel like at some point, you know, it's just, it's going to, you know, mess things up in a way. I don't know how, but I just, I have this strange feeling that it will. And with this team like Boston, who's, you know, as deep as they are, it might just take a toll on the Islanders all, all together. But, you know, like I said, this is going to be a slugfest and I could see this one still going the distance either way. I think the Eggman's going to get defeated in seven games. I'm going to agree with Scotty here. Um, uh, Boston's, I mean, although they are the third seed, but like, you know, that I know Doug was mentioning early in the show, like, you know, that top line, then you got that great value, the great value version of the second line with Taylor Hall of the first line. 
I, I do think I think Boston uh, just has the better scoring depth, and I think they'll go in seven. And they'll play Tampa. Yeah, it'll be Boston, Tampa Bay. Um, I'll probably say Bruins in six. I think the Islanders will take obviously one at the Coliseum, and then uh, Boston will shut down that dump of an arena for good, and they'll actually get competent goaltending out of it, which of course the Penguins do not get. So um, I think Boston will get there, and you know Boston, Tampa Bay would be a obviously that would be a, a lot of them. That would be a very fun series because last year I think both of them played didn't get Tuka Rask obviously. Um, but this year, I think that will be a lot of fun, especially with how Boston's rolling right now. Yeah. As much as I want the Islanders to win this, simply because I want more and more videos of what goes on in Borelli's during uh, these Islanders games, because it is hilarious uh, watching them just go nuts. But um, it's going to be Boston. I think that they went in in seven games. I think that the Islanders are capable of taking it to that seventh game. And I mean, that give me that Boston Tampa series. Like Hunter said, give me that with Tuka Rask. And I want to see what happens. Cause I think that Boston could really give Tampa a run for their money. Um, not, not saying they can beat them, but like they could take them deep. That is for damn sure. I'm not going to take any, any, uh, it pains me to say that Boston will win that series because most of you know the hatred I have for Boston and the hatred I have for Washington. So um, if I had to pick a team out of that first round to win, I'd definitely pick a Boston over Washington. If I had to pick on my own liking for this series, I'd say the Islanders are going to kick Bruins ass, but I know it's not going to happen. Um, but I do agree that it goes to game seven with all you guys as well. So Sounds like you need to stop being an abs fan with uh, how much you hate Boston and Washington. I obviously uh, did the right thing in enrolling you in uh, Yinzer school, buddy. <laughs> you know, holy shit. Love that. I, I, uh, I can't stand either one of them. I, uh, yeah. If I had to, like, I've, I've talked to you, Doug, on, on my mission to own one jersey from every team, and Boston and Washington are the last two on that fucking list. I already uh, accomplished Boston and Washington both. Um, oh, uh, Washington. Doug, we just got a one playoff Mark Andre Fleury goal just now. And it was uh, saw a whiff <sighs> on it and it went five hole like a beach ball. And it was. Uh, yes. We got to. Penn's Twitter is going to be loving this. I can't wait to retweet it. I can't wait to retweet Brandon it. Say with the goal too. Yeah. I got it. It's because I'm wearing this jersey, isn't it? Keep it yep. on, Peyton. Just keep it no, on. No, I'll take it. I'll fucking keep it on. Wear it, wear it every day for the next two weeks. No. I need this sweet Peyton. No. I need, sweet... I need them to win at least one game. Nope. No, you don't. Yes. It's funny no, you don't. that Vegas hasn't even recorded a shot yet. They do now. Nothing. They do now. But, they like, they didn't one. have one. Right, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's crazy. I – I'm ready to wrap this up so we can all go watch this game. Yeah. All right. Any, uh, any final thoughts on anything before we wrap up? All right. All right. Well then uh, thank you guys for tuning in as always on Fort checking TV. Uh, I'm TK, Scotty, Doug, and Peyton Hunter. Thank you again for joining us, man. We appreciate having you on. Yeah, of course. You know, anytime you guys want to have me on, just let me know. That was a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, we thank you again for having, having on uh, stay tuned guys next week for the, uh, premiere of uh, episode six. Until then, we will uh, see you next time and watch some hockey. Thanks, guys.